Hey guys, you're listening to another episode of Nick Talk, and I'm your host, Nikki James. And today I have a very special guest on my show who um, I've actually worked with before. His name is Mark Edgerton, and he's a paranormal investigator um, and also an author. And uh, when I was over in England, I had him on my show. So you're going to you're going to hear a little bit of England in this this whole segment here. So, uh, Mark, how are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you, Nikki. How are you? I'm doing good. Long time no speak. Good. Yes, it's a little while, isn't it, since uh, we were here in England. Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, I loved having you on my show so much um, over there at Black Cat Radio that I had to have you on my podcast, too. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're so interesting and you're so knowledgeable. First, we're going to talk a little bit about your paranormal investigations, because that's really intriguing to people, you know? Yes, yeah. It's an interesting subject. It is. So how did you get into it? Oh, it's a quite a long story, Nikki, but uh, <laughs> basically uh, I had a paranormal experience myself in 1976 when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason it was so interesting was because it happened in broad daylight mm. uh, on a summer's afternoon. And um, I, I actually outline what happened actually in my book, but uh, it sort of led to me going home to my parents and uh, telling them, you know what what I'd experienced and um, they were really supportive they told me not to be so stupid and uh, <laughs> uh, my mother had a sister called Marilyn and Marilyn was uh, married to a guy called Trevor Kenwood okay and uh, Trevor um, my uncle Trevor uh, was a member of an organization called the Ghost Club which is the oldest cyclical research organization in the, in the whole world uh, it's officially dated at 1862, but it actually goes back a little bit further. The roots of it sort of early 1850s. And um, that was founded in Trinity College in Cambridge, which, as you know, is, is about 18 miles from certainly it's where you were working. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, Trevor, my uncle Trevor, his um, cousin uh, was the chairman of this organisation. His name was Peter Underwood. He's no longer with us. He died in 2014, but um, Peter was the chairman of the Ghost Club for about 32 years, and he uh, was Trevor's cousin. And so um, between the two of them, I sort of, um, my mother spoke to her sister, Marilyn, and said, oh, Mark's had this thing happen. And uh, as it happened, Trevor was visiting us uh, a couple of weeks later, and he sat down and interviewed me and believed my story. And Mm -hmm. uh, I became fascinated, but I was only 15. Yeah. And so he certainly wouldn't allow me to do any paranormal investigating until I was 18. And um, he would let me do some research for him, though. These are days before the Internet. So research involved going to libraries and leafing through books. And it was quite, quite difficult to ask. Um, But I did my first paranormal investigation myself. I'll tell you exactly when. It was the 17th of March. 1979 and the reason I can be so precise is because it was an anniversary haunting one of these that only happens on one particular day of the year and um, it happened at a place uh, that still exists called the ferry boat in a public house a pub and uh, nothing happened (laughs) which is uh, is pretty much par for the course with a lot of paranormal investigating Um, Mm -hmm. People tend to go out thinking that they're going to see loads of ghosts and things. And right. in reality, it's not like that at all. 
Um, If you experience paranormal activity, it's likely to be um, of the poltergeist variety, noises and Mm. things happening. And, you know, a lot of that you can possibly find a a logical explanation for. Right. uh, But it it is still interesting because you end up in a a lot of very old ancient buildings around me, um, as you all know from from Mm -hmm. living here for a while. We've got places like Buckton Towers and Hinchinbrook House, which are linked to people like Queen Catherine of Aragon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of the famous diarist Samuel Pepys, no. but uh, he, he spent a large chunk of his life uh, here in Huntingdonshire. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we've got a lot of history. So my book is basically a combination of investigating the paranormal with some of that sort of English history. So if people are into kings and queens and things like that, they, they, you know, they'll find it interesting. It's not just about hunting for ghosts. Right. And a lot of people in America are really interested in that too. They all, I think, you know, there's so, we don't have castles over here. So, you know, and that's a big part of it. And I know in your book, um, The Haunted History of Huntingtonshire, you go to some of these places that are linked to royals and um, I don't know if you did you did castles or not. I know there was a couple that you that you talked about in your book, but yeah, um, I've been to several castles. Um, mm-hmm. The the place that's just two miles from where I am now is called Buckton Towers, mm-hmm. and uh, you would probably describe it as a castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes back to the 13th century, and uh, Catherine of Aragon, when King Henry VIII was. Uh, fed up with her and looking for a divorce, but the Mm -hmm. Pope wouldn't give him a divorce. Uh, Catherine was held there for around about 10 months. And then she was moved to another uh, castle nearby uh, called Kimbolton Castle, where she actually died. That's about 12 Mm -hmm. miles from where I'm sitting now. And uh, she she is supposed to haunt that castle. Um, I did not know that. I was actually there at Kimbolton Castle for the, they have a big 4th of July party, don't they? Yes, they do. Yeah. yeah. Well, to be honest, they tend to play down the haunted history because mm-hmm. it's quite a prestigious public school, as you no doubt know. Mm, and, okay. Uh, so you've got Arab princes and people that, that stay at that school paying mm-hmm. quite large amounts of money. So they tend to play down any talk of ghosts and things like that. So what was your experience? Did you go investigate Kimbolton Castle? No, I didn't because of that reason. They were a bit reluctant for me to go Uh, there. But I I spent the night in Buckton Towers mm -hmm. and also Huntingdonshire is very famous uh, for being the birthplace of Oliver Cromwell. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And he's the guy who basically started the civil war against the king of England at the time. It was James I. So um, Cromwell is quite famous and I did... Uh, spend a night in the Cromwell Museum, uh, which was actually Huntingdon Grammar School in his day. Both he and Samuel Pepys spent part of their education in that building. Oh, wow. Yeah, quite a bit of history. Um, I did notice that a lot of American people do really enjoy it. I started a a Facebook page, which I called Haunted Histories. Uh And I thought when the book came out that probably... 20, 30 people would be interested in it. Yep. And there's about 6,000 people <laughs> following it now. I tend to write a post every week of, of a haunted castle somewhere in England. Yeah. And, uh, I write 
three to 600 words and I tell a bit of the history and then I tell you uh, the, the story about the hauntings involved with the place. Yeah, and it it's is... no thrills. It's not written as a scary ghost story. It's right. just giving the sort of factual information really mm -hmm. yeah like some of the the tv shows these days they you know they build it up to yes. you know kind of keep your interest but you you know that's why that's one of the reasons why i love following you like if there's no active you know haunting stuff going on currently in that situation you'll give a little bit of the history and i think um i think people really like the history like they people want knowledge and um and it's cool that you know there is a little bit of this little twist there uh, you know yeah i mean i mean to give you a perfect example of what you just said um obviously oliver cromwell is probably huntington cheer's most famous um son mm -hmm. and i've on huntington market square which you've probably been on there are three buildings there that are allegedly haunted by oliver cromwell Mm -hmm. I investigated them for my book and there is evidence of paranormal activity, but there's nothing that actually uh, definitely determines that it's to do with Oliver Cromwell. Mm. Uh, one of those buildings is the Cromwell Museum, which I spent the night in. Mm -hmm. The other one is Huntingdon Town Hall. And the other one is uh, a very old pub called the Falcon, mm. uh, where he actually has got a big bow window that overlooks the market square. And Cromwell is said to have, stood in that window and addressed his troops on the yeah. market square uh, as i said all three of the buildings have, have um, there's evidence of paranormal activity and witnesses who claim that they've had it but there was nothing actually to determine you know beyond doubt that it was to do with oliver cromwell right uh, and again i think people say oh you know it's haunted who's famous around here oliver cromwell and um uh, and that the, the story comes that it's a cromwell haunt yeah. It's very much like that in England with, um, you may have heard this name, there was a very famous highwayman called Dick Turpin. Uh, mm -hmm. Dick Turpin, if you Google that name, basically sort of haunts every pub from London to, to York, uh, which is a couple of hundred miles. Yeah, okay. uh, he's a highwayman who used to, a little bit of a Robin Hood character who was said to rob from the rich and give to the poor, but in reality, it was a pretty nasty piece of work. He, he, he killed men, women and children and anybody who really got in his way. Eventually, the authorities caught up with him and um, he's uh, supposed to be buried at York, uh, which is a lovely city. And yeah. uh, if you go to his grave in York, um, and uh, there's a headstone that says it's Dick Turpin's grave. But there is some thought that uh, he's not actually buried in it. They yeah. were frightened of the body snatchers in those days because he was uh, such a famous person. Uh -huh. And they removed, they secretly removed his body and um, put it in a quickline uh -huh. and, uh, you know, got rid of it in that way. And his body's not really there. Uh, I'm assured that, that that's true. <laughs> do you believe that people have like a natural gift to see ghosts? Like, do you think some people can and some people can't? I certainly think it's possible, but, um, you know, the way I approach the paranormal is you're looking for, for evidence. Now, there are I have met people who say that they can see spirits all around them. Mm -hmm. uh, but the fact that I can't, that's that's not evidential to me. I sometimes get people saying, oh, you know, you've got a, a spirit boy standing next to you. Well, I, I say, well, can he tug my trousers, please, or, <laughs> or move that on the table? Because, you know, that's not really evidence. And I've met right. some people 
who, you know, I, I genuinely believe they probably can, mm -hmm. but it's not what you would call evidential. So it's, it's very difficult. And as I said, seeing ghosts from my own personal experience, which is over 40 years now, mm -hmm. I saw that I saw one when I was that first experience I had mm -hmm. uh, and I was 15 then. I haven't seen another. Really? I've been in buildings with people who say they have uh -huh. um, on two or three occasions. And they're people that, that I know well and are credible and would have no reason to lie. But uh -huh. I personally have not seen another. So probably that's why I've been doing it so long, because I know what I saw when I was 15 and I want to experience that again. Yeah. You and I did one. We did a, an overnight. Um, where was yeah. that? Where, where were we? Well, the South O'Bell, the village I live in, there's a public house called the Bell. Uh, well, you know it because you yeah. were inside it. With yeah. This. And we really, you know, we, you could, <laughs> you could feel it. But again, we were in the dark and, yep. you know, sometimes it is true. Sometimes your brain does play tricks on you. So you yes. have to kind of figure out, you know, what's reality and what's yes. just fear. Yes. Definitely. How do you combat that when you're when you're doing your investigations? Um, well, as I said, you know, a lot of people think that these investigations have to be done at night. And I must admit that you tend to get more activity at that time. But I don't mm -hmm. really know whether it's the darkness or whether it's the fact that generally people around you are, are, are quieter and there's more going mm -hmm. on. Or because more perceptive, maybe. If you're in a, a, an old house that's five six hundred years old mm -hmm. then they do creak and groan as as they shrink and, and grow with with heat mm -hmm. and cold etc so so sounds and noises really um you know and unless they're they're noises that are on demand you're you're speaking out what i call calling out and you're saying the old adage is two knocks for yes one knock for you for no unless mm -hmm. you're getting something that's corresponding um, um, communicating with you on demand mm -hmm. uh, it's very difficult to attribute a sound to the paranormal um, so you have to adopt a very skeptical mind um, mm -hmm. this guy Peter Underwood who I was talking about he mm -hmm. was my uncle's cousin Peter was the chairman of the ghost club uh, for 30 odd years and I met him um, well, it was around the early 80s I spent an afternoon with him he's a fascinating character and I said to him, what sort of things should I take with me on an investigation? Electronic toys and things that we see nowadays were not around then. Mm -hmm. And he said, the, the most, he said, the most important thing to take with you is people you can trust. Oh, wow. He said, because, um, and a notepad and pen, he said, to, to jot down anything so that you don't remember it. Mm -hmm. um, he always told me to research the premises thoroughly before I investigated, which a lot of people say you shouldn't because the, the power of suggestion is this. Mm -hmm. If you're in a darkened room and people say it's haunted by a, a monk, mm -hmm. uh, then people tend to see a monk and, mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah. But he said that it is important to, to, to research because um, if there's something relatively minor, which you might dismiss having not researched it, Mm -hmm. If you actually have researched it, then that is more meaning. That could be more meaningful right. uh, because of, of the research that you've done. But he basically said, you know, there are some people around um, that, that are just frightened sitting in the dark. So they, their imagination 
you know, runs right with them. Right. The small team that you came with me that time, um, mm -hmm. we're quite experienced. So you saw that none of us were frightened or scared mm -hmm. and we were actually <laughs> you know, wanting me. things to happen. <laughs> so... I remember, Mark, I remember when we were, we had, um, I don't know what you call it, so you can tell me, but the, yeah. on the stairs where there was, you know, one receiver and it was basically like, um, oh, what do you, like a, a laser or something. And if you broke that field, it would set off the alarm. Yes. Yeah. What was that? What was that called? Yeah, yeah they're, they're the motion detectors, motion, basically. Yeah. 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 To, to be honest, you know, they are useful. There's a, a lot of, of gadgets and gizmos out there now that have been sort of glorified by various paranormal shows that are on right. TV. Um, I'm a little bit of a skeptic, <laughs> I'm afraid, because um, we live in a world now where we've got Wi-Fi everywhere. Right. And all these devices have electronic receivers in them. And in the walls so, as well. Yeah. So if you've got an electronic device that, that's set up to detect ghosts, uh, it's going to pick up radio signals from Wi-Fi, mm. taxi cab radio, anything really. So again, unless I've got something that is responding to my commands, you know, mm. if I say, can you make a noise for me now, please? And you get it and you get it again. And you're doing that repeatedly for a minute, two minutes. Mm -hmm. I think you can discount um, a, a random signal from a taxi cab or a, right. a Wi-Fi we always turn our telephones off, but, um, you know, you can and the Wi-Fi in the property if it has Wi-Fi, but yeah. there could quite easily be a house next door that's got Wi-Fi. And um, <laughs> so, you know, right. I'm a bit sceptical of, of, of the various gadgets and gizmos. They're quite right. expensive. Yeah. And you'll, you'll normally find in the instructions, if you buy any electrical device, it has to specify what it can do. Mm. And generally with these pieces of apparatus you'll find that uh, it will use think words like may it may assist you with a mm. paranormal investigation and things like that so it's, it's not proven right so um you know you 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 have to be be skeptical of everything basically yeah i do remember when that <laughs> that um piece of equipment went off that when we were there in that room and uh I could not get out of that hallway faster <laughs> I uh, do you remember that I'm like yeah. uh, it was that was us right was that the hallway because I did one with the UK um uh what was it called I did um a lock in with um the unknown UK I can't remember which one if that was yours or, or his but I think it was his oh I remember the one with you and I the was that the teddy bear that fell on me upstairs? Yes, yes. We were in the attic, weren't we? And oh the teddy bear. Oh my god! Fell on and, it, and it wasn't just a regular teddy bear. Mike, yeah. Mark, tell tell the listeners how big this. Is. <laughs> it, it was a huge teddy bear, and it was propped oh. against a, a wall. And as you sat down, you you inadvertently put, mm -hmm. put your backside on its legs, yep. so it naturally tilted forward. It attacked it must have me. Felt like like a person. <laughs> It attacked like, me. <laughs> Do you remember? I was like, Mark, I can't move. I can't yes. move. It's got me. Yeah, <laughs> like, I turn on the lights, turn on the lights. And so when you and your crew are so not afraid, like that, my first, my very first experience was the attack yeah. of the teddy bear. Yeah. Well, yeah. when anything happens, the first thing you have to do <laughs> is look for a logical explanation. Right. Yeah. And obviously, the more investigations you do, the more you become aware of 
uh, of logical explanation. There ha I have had a couple of occasions where things have happened, which I've thought were definitely paranormal. Mm -hmm. And then I've, I've actually been able to debunk them and come up with a rational explanation. Mm -hmm. And one of those actually is in my book, and it was at that premises in the South Obel. Yeah. I can't remember if I told you it related to the bathroom there. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, as you know, the, 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 it's right on a very busy road. Mm -hmm. It's the closest I've ever investigated to a, a really busy main road. Right. And although it was late at night and there was very little traffic about um, we got I got some stuff in the bathroom the first time I investigated there and I was sure that it was paranormal and I was able to to logically debunk it and prove uh that that it that it wasn't paranormal. Yeah, and what was it like? It was like car lights, wasn't it? Yeah, basically car lights were 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 coming along very random not not very often because we you know it's two or three in the morning, mm -hmm. but they were shining through the bathroom window and it made the bathroom sort of I was outside the bathroom and, and the bathroom door had two glass frosted panes mm -hmm. and the, the, the room would sort of glow, which I knew what it was. Mm -hmm. It was the car lights. Yeah. Every so often you would um, get what looked like a flash of lightning in there. And on one occasion, this flash of lightning was blue, electric blue. And I thought, God, you know, what's causing this? This is, I've never seen this before. And what yeah. I discovered was if, a random car took a slightly different route on the road. There's a bend there and mm -hmm. sort of cut the bend, in other words, drove straight through it instead of round it. Then the lights would come through, through the bathroom window, and they'd hit a chrome radiator and reflect back into the bathroom mirror, which caused this flash. Uh, and it was just like a lightning flashing inside the bathroom. And of course, the incident with the blue was the one of these blue xenon light headlamps in a car. Right. Mm -hmm. But it would only ever happen if a car took an unusual uh, route, you know, direction through the bends, drove through the bends instead of around them. And so, yeah, was able to explain <laughs> it. Yeah. But I'd never experienced that before. And the first when it happened, I was convinced it was something uh, unusual. Right. Yeah. I, I, and I think people do that as well. Um, I, I've talked to a lot of my friends and they're like, well, I can't see anything, but I know the feeling, you know, and then you talk to some paranormal uh, or not paranormal, but like some people that are intuitive or, or psychic, you know, as they, as they claim, um, they say sometimes the feeling is enough and you know but sometimes yeah. when you're in a dark alley and you're taking your trash out and it's yeah. dark in the back and there's no light you get the heebie-jeebies you know yeah that, that's a similar feeling to you know it's, you'll get people who watch horror films and mm -hmm. you know they they enjoy being scared and they watch it yeah. and if you're in an environment like that where you are a bit scared that's a natural feeling it's fear yeah. um so it doesn't necessarily mean that there's something uh paranormal or, or not of this world yeah. uh, that, that, that's causing it so you have to sort of ignore that um, mm -hmm. and you can say oh there's something there but that really is is not evidence of paranormal activity yeah um, most so of the paranormal the really good paranormal activity that i've experienced has been of the poltergeist variety where you've oh, had sounds and things but more importantly things moving things moving on their own i've experienced that a few times i really wanted to talk about that actually
you know how they, there's so many different words for different things. Like there's a ghost, there's an apparition, there's a poltergeist, there's a, a yeah. demon or an energy. Yeah. Can you like kind of help walk us through what the differences are? Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. Um, you generally find um, that um, an apparition or a ghost are the same things. Basically, you're talking about a figure that resembles a person. And the thought is that when we leave this world, um, in every culture uh, in the world, people recognize that we have a spirit, a soul, a life force, call it what you will. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that believe that that dies with our physical body. There are other people that believe um, that it doesn't and the spirit lives on. Mm-hmm. And that is your soul, your life force your ghost and some people think that that moves across to let's say heaven or hell or whatever you want to believe Mm -hmm. but some people believe that that some spirits for whatever reason and it's normally because they've died very suddenly and tragically a murderer a a bullet through the head that they were unaware was coming on a battlefield Um, or there's something in this world that they love beyond normal it can be a place or a person, and therefore their, their spirit doesn't move on. It remains. So mm. that's what you would call an apparition or a okay. ghost. Poltergeist is uh, a German word, mm-hmm. and it loosely translated means noisy spirit. Mm. And um, the reason it's a German word is because the first recorded record of it and I can't remember the date off my head, but it's something like 1200 or maybe even 1100. I have got the date in my book. Um, The first record of it happened in Germany. And this is basically where you get a disturbance and um, there's no apparition or ghost to see, but you get things either being thrown or moved or noises that are completely unexplainable. Mm -hmm. Um, As I said, noises are a little bit difficult because properties and strange noises do occur and this can be caused by changes in temperature Mm -hmm. with furniture wood for instance expanding or contracting Um, but when you see when you see things move or you get things thrown at you Mm -hmm. thrown um and you can't see anybody uh, as being the cause um, it's generally deemed as poltergeist activity so do you think poltergeists are, are like mean uh, no, I think uh, poltergeist activity, um, my theories mm-hmm. is that poltergeist activity is, is generally assumed to be extremely rare. Mm. And I think that poltergeist activity is a lot more common than people think. For instance, let's say you leave your car keys on the table mm-hmm. and you know that you leave them on the table. You always leave them on the table every night before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. And then you come down the next morning and they're not there and there's no rational explanation. You're the only person in the house. Yeah. So um, what's happened? And generally people will think, oh, it's just one of those things. You know, I found them two days later. They were in the kitchen or, yeah. or, or wherever. And uh, so I think a lot of times people experience poltergeist activity and just put it down as, you know, one of the yeah. things that happens. Yeah, it's ignored. Um what when you get extreme poltergeist activity uh one we had here in the uk which is the most famous 
There's one that happened uh, in London in a place called Enfield, called the Enfield Haunting. Mm. And you or your listeners may have, have seen TV programmes or certainly heard things about the Enfield Haunting, which was pretty extreme. And, um, you know, the police and other people from the outside came in and witnessed it too. And so that, that one is very famous. Um, mm. But but I have witnessed um, poltergeist activity. I haven't witnessed tables and chairs flying around the room like you see in the movie Poltergeist. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've not witnessed um, things being pelted at me, which, mm-hmm. you know, is pretty scary. Uh, but I have witnessed things moving. But yeah. we have to remember that 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 is not necessarily the work of a ghost or a spirit or an apparition. Yeah. It could well be us doing it ourselves through something called telekinesis. And, you know, we have the ability to do that and don't even know that we can. Mm-hmm. Remember the, the guy called Yuri Geller who used to bend spoons and oh, stuff. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's somebody you've heard of in the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was very famous here in the UK 20, 30 years ago. Um, so, yeah, um, we do know that half of our brain, uh, the doctors and scientists don't know what it's what it's for, what it's capable of. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that Not is even, another explanation. So we don't even use all of our brain. Yes. You, yeah. you, you, you can't you can't um, say that a poltergeist activity is most definitely um, the, the work of somebody that, that that's no longer in this world. Uh, and it's their spirit or their ghost or whatever you want to call it there is another possible explanation so it's still paranormal and you know this is something I should perhaps mention that the word paranormal um, it's not exclusive to ghosts it's basically anything that science has yet to find a logical explanation for so Mm -hmm. things like crop circles UFOs Mm -hmm. ghosts um they all fall under this paranormal umbrella right um and it's quite fascinating because you know people that are very i mean in the uk here prince charles has experienced poltergeist activity at, really? at now yeah he's they stay at christmas uh, a place in norfolk which is not too far from mm-hmm. where we are as you probably know from your time here and i think if you google Sandringham House and Prince Charles Paranormal, you'll, you'll find stuff. Yeah. And, you know, why would a guy like that sort of make that up? Right. Uh, he's, he's risking ridicule for a start. Yeah. Um, you know, as I said, I, I'm, I'm quite grounded. Um, I don't jump into believing that something's Just paranormally anything. active. And if yeah. I do experience stuff, I'm looking to debunk it. Right. But there have been things happen that I, that I can't explain. So I know people tend to like send you uh, photographs or videos and ask like, your opinion. Like, yeah. you know, they ask you to debunk things. Um, yes. Is there, is there ever, or, or can you recall the most memorable um, of these events that you were like, wow, I can't debunk it. To be honest with you, um, uh, the Society for Paranormal Research, which is based in London, which is the second oldest uh, paranormal organisation after the Ghost Club. The Ghost Club is officially founded in 1862 and, and the SPR 1882. I went to a meeting there uh, summer of last year and they actually stood up and said, we're now in a situation where we can no longer accept photographs 
or video uh, evidence hmm. as evidence of the paranormal. He said, because with CGI and with things like Photoshop, people can, you know, make a, a very realistic um, uh, photograph or movie yeah. uh, that appears to be paranormal. And if, if you go on YouTube, there's hundreds of them of, right. of people capture, and you don't know unless yeah. uh, you were there whether it's genuine or whether it's fate. And that this really harks back to what Peter Underwood told me in the 80s. Always investigate with people you know and, and trust implicitly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I've had a number of, uh, I think the most famous thing that people talk about is something known as an orb. I don't know if you've heard that. I have, yeah. Term before. Yeah, well, here in the UK, orbs started to appear around about 1992 at the time digital cameras appeared right suddenly (laughs) yeah suddenly people were getting these images that 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 showed these sort of glowing lights and things Mm -hmm. and um it it's it caused a debate that's still ongoing to be honest some people are of the opinion that they've definitely captured an orb or a spirit from the spirit world um i've seen some that are quite clearly insects uh, I've seen right. others that are specks of dust or moisture on the lens, or that's what they appear to be. Um, and I've seen others that that that, that do look more realistic. Um, there's one in my book. My book contains about 300 photographs. And there's one that was actually taken in the Huntingdon Museum, not by myself, by another paranormal group. Now, this one was interesting because they claimed they could actually see it with the naked eye. And that's what prompted them to take a photograph and this one is red mm-hmm. in that building there is a, a relatively small room called the mayor's parlor and there's a, a table uh, a central table in there with a green base oh, a very small table what you'd probably call a coffee table mm-hmm. and uh, yeah they they could see it with their naked eye and so they captured a photo of it which is interesting um but yeah, these these orbs crop up in photographs and have done since 1992. And, you know, half the people believe that there's something paranormal and half the people believe it's a quirk of the digital photography. Mm-hmm. What do you so, think? I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I really stand on the fence. I've seen some that I think are pretty incredible, but um, you know, they could equally be faked in, in something like using something like Photoshop. Yeah. Um, so, again, I... I my i don't go out to prove to the world that that, you know paranormal activity exists i do it for my own interest really um if i could find some compelling evidence that that you could prove i'd probably share it just out of interest for the rest of the world but uh, i don't actively go around um in my book there's actually an interesting photo um that i took at a place called the ramsey rural museum Mm -hmm. and that was taken in the dark um not with a a, a, photo, a camera that, that was geared for taking night photography, but we had a pretty, um, it's very rarely scary, but we had a, 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 an instance there where one of my people uh, who's very experienced became quite upset and worried that, that I wanted to get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit like you did when the teddy bear <laughs> <laughs> and as we left we took a photograph without a flash i was attacked 
and uh yeah this this photograph is interesting because i did it was pitch black so we, we couldn't actually see anything mm -hmm. but, but when you actually look at a photograph of the the area with the light on and then you look at the area same area the photograph that was taken 30 minutes later with the lights off there appears to be what something that looks of a human shape hmm. now that can be something i don't know if you've heard of a word called paradalia uh, yeah, I've heard of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, paradalia is, you know, when you look up in the sky and you see clouds that look like a horse's head or you perhaps look at something else and uh, it makes you believe you're seeing something that mm -hmm. actually isn't there. Mm -hmm. um, I saw one very interesting one which showed a bush and behind it a brick wall and it looked like a man's head was behind this wall. Which mm. sent to me. Mm -hmm. and when I took it in and I blew it up, it was just the mason, the, the mortar and the bricks right the way they were geared, that they had all the features. And it's a bit like if you, um, when you sometimes write a sentence and you write letters round the wrong way or you miss a letter mm -hmm. out, you can still read what it's saying because the mm -hmm. human brain is very clever and it it, it, it it sees things that it recognizes them. So, you know, if I yeah. wrote the word need and I put the two letters, capital letters E, the wrong way round, you'd still, still know that it, it said need. Mm -hmm. because your brain would work it out yeah so that that's something called paradelia so that that can happen and, and i've had people that you know convinced they've caught a ghost yeah. uh, on, on film and they've sent me the photograph and uh, that's really interesting i'm glad you brought that up because that happens all the time like that's that's kind of the things that people kind of you know we, we just talked earlier about making stuff up in your mind. It's yes. sometimes it's, it's not even purposeful. It's just that, yes. like you said, your brain recognizes something that you've been taught to recognize. Yeah. 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 I wanted so to if you talk look up in the sky and you see a cloud and it resembles a horse's head. Yeah. Um, you know, you can see that it's a horse's head because mm -hmm. you know, that shape you, you know, is consistent with that of a horse's right. head. No, it's right. as simple as that. And there's so many different things too. Like some people are like, don't dismiss signs. And then um, some people are like, if you don't dismiss signs, you'll think everything is a sign. So there is a tricky balance there. But um, I was looking through some of your work, Mark, and there is um, a light that was coming down, like kind of to your camera, um, like in a, in a weird shape. And uh, I had done a Halloween uh, ghost hunt with no information and no, like, I had no idea what I was doing. I just, yeah. um, I saw a ghost when I was little or what I thought was a ghost. And yeah. so I'm kind of like you, I've just been fascinated with it. Yes. So we went to, there's a movie, I don't know if you've seen it, it's called Silent Hill. I've heard of it, yes. So we actually went to the place, it's uh, in Centralia, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And uh, it's an old coal mining town. And um, what had happened was uh, it caught fire. And so underneath the ground, all this coal is still burning. Like even to this yes. day, it is still burning. Um, and so when you go there, you'll see like smoke coming out of the ground because there's certain uh, sinkholes and things of that nature. Yeah. And um, in the movie, there was this sound like a, like an alarm for the community so that they would know, you know, you're, we're under distress, you know, stay in, don't go outside because of, you know, the, the fumes that were in the air. Well, anyway, we went there and uh, walked through um, a cemetery 
and took pictures. And one of your photographs looks exactly like one of my photographs. It's a weird light that I can't explain. And I'm sure a lot of people yeah. might have experienced something like this. What do you what do you call that? What do you think that is? It's it's very strange. I'm not a I'm not a, a an expert photographer, but you can get things like something called lens flare. Mm -hmm. And you can get all sorts of things that can happen on photographs. And as, as I said to you, the most common with digital photography is mm -hmm. orbs. And people have got these in sort of family photos and they assume it's their late grandfather's spirit sort of behind mm -hmm. the child or whatever the photo's on. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not. Mm -hmm. but uh, I'm saying that you have to be a little bit wary. And, I know uh, I was thinking the same thing. Like it could have been a, a, an issue with lighting, but we were in the dark, like you were yeah. Yeah. and there was no light around. So I was like, yeah. oh, what? It, it's just a little creepy. Even if it can be explained, it's still like, why is that oh, yeah. light coming directly to my phone? Yeah. yeah. I had a, a photograph that was sent to me. Oh, some time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, from a, a guy, um, have you heard of the music festival, that the famous music festival in the UK called Glastonbury? Yeah. Well, this guy visited Glastonbury, and it was the first time that that he had been there. Mm -hmm. And um, he was with his brother-in-law, I think, and they sort of basically set up camp and then went to get some food. And uh, he, he took a few photographs just to take in the atmosphere. And one of the photographs has got uh, a woman in it that appears to be in type period dress. And she just looks out of place. And he swears and his brother-in-law swears that this woman was not there to see with the eyes when the photograph was taken. And, um, of course, I got this photograph and I looked at it. And, yeah, it looks a strange photo, but you can't. You can't, I didn't know this guy. Uh, well, funny enough, purely by chance, um, he didn't know when he sent the photograph to me, uh, but he's quite local. And mm. um, he, he lives in Huntingdonshire. Hmm. And uh, he had not sent it to me because he knew I was in Huntingdonshire. He'd sent it to me because he'd been a, 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 on a website and seen my name and uh, he'd sent it through. I can send you it if you'd like me to. I can yeah, my email address. I'll, e I'll email it to you with one or other, uh, one or two other interesting photographs. But I think you've got to be well balanced. You can't necessarily take something as evidence, particularly mm -hmm. if it's come from somebody that you don't know, right. don't know to trust. Because mm -hmm. uh, there are some people out there who get quite a thrill. If you go on YouTube, there's lots of um, <laughs> clips on there of. of particularly poltergeist activity happening, um, which is all done with fishing wire and, and yep. looks really impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, you, you've got to be sceptical. Um, right. And the paranormal is one of those things that unless you actually experience something yourself, mm -hmm. uh, you're never going to be really convinced. I think most of us have probably got a friend that we know that we'd probably trust with our lives. Right. If they told us something that happened to them that was paranormal, You'd be, were you drunk? Were you, right. uh, were you using drugs? Uh, yeah. uh, you know, all those things go through your head because um, it, it is one of those things that until you've experienced something yourself, um, you're it's, naturally. Um, it's hard to conceptualize it. Yeah. And I think that's the way to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't go around trying to say to people, you know, people say, oh, it's a load of rubbish. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, I've seen stuff that, you know, I, I'm pretty harsh. I'm yeah. looking for a, an explanation and I've been doing it a lot of years. Yeah. And there are occasions when you can't. And Mark, you work with some people though that um, are directly opposite from you. You are kind of like, you're hoping because you saw that one thing when you were younger and you're hoping yeah. for, you know, a bit more validation, but you're also very like analytical. You debunk a lot of things. And like you said, you haven't seen one since, but some of the members of your crew are, I mean, what I would call like a sensitive or like a, maybe even like you could use the word psychic and, you know, yes. they have, they can, they can feel things that we can't. And so yes. that's one of the things I like about you is you, you really kind of cover all grounds, even if you're completely not sold on it, yeah. you know, but yeah. it's hard to, and you know, what I would tell my kids when like trying new food, you haven't tried it yet. You don't know what it's yeah. like, you know, once yeah. you eat it, maybe you'll like it. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people in the world, because they don't directly experience it, you know, sometimes they close their mind to it and they just think yep. it's a bunch of hoopla. So I really like that you combined all aspects of, you know, belief and, and your crew is really good. I, I remember when we were there at that, that house um, and I liked the tools that you were using because like you said, it wasn't an electronic device that could be you know yeah we again i was taught by peter underwood and my 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 cousin uh trevor uh, my uncle trevor kenwood Mm -hmm. and in in those days you're talking late 70s 80s there weren't electronic equipment around so they tended to use traditional things um and the most traditional method of of trying to communicate uh with you know paranormal ghost spirits or, or whatever you want to call them is by dowsing and you've probably heard of dowsing rods where people douse for water using these mm-hmm. rods, mm-hmm. divining rods. Well, and it works. Also, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can also douse with things like crystal pendulums. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you, you probably remember Kate, the lady who did the dowsing. I love she, Kate. <laughs> she, yeah. She is a very sensitive lady. And uh, I've seen some remarkable stuff uh, as a result of, of Kate dowsing with a crystal pendulum. And we'll also use... We don't actually, I mean, most people, it's almost a taboo word mm-hmm. to say Ouija, Ouija board. And that is things exactly like that. what I was going to ask you next. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I personally don't use a Ouija board, but I do use a glass, just a normal glass. And, uh, you know, we ask the glass to move. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. If it does move and it's moving well, I'll put a card down that says yes and another one opposite that says no. And if that's, you know, we, we've then got a device to ask a question. It's a question that can only solicit or a yes or a no answer, nothing else. But if it's really working well, we'll put other cards around the alphabet, ABC, and we can get things spelt out then. Of course, that's all well and good. But the next thing to do uh, when the investigation is finished is actually try to do some historical research to see if whatever information we've picked up uh, is accurate and credible. And sometimes it can be very credible. And um, we had a particular instance, and it's, it's outlined in my book, where we spent the night in the Cromwell Museum, which used to be Huntingdon Grammar School, where Oliver Cromwell himself was educated. And we had a, a very interesting dowsing session in there, where we picked up a lot of information 
um, but we weren't allowed to go in there alone because uh, there are artifacts in there of huge historical importance to England because Oliver Cromwell basically is responsible for what we call Parliament now and our government and everything we work. So he's a very famous person. And we picked up a lot of information and um, we, we had the curator of the museum there, a guy called Mike Brooks was one of the curators. And he said, you know, I'll have to be here with you. We can't leave you in here alone. So he witnessed all this as well, purely independent. Uh, I'd not met him uh, until the night. And um, we got a name and I asked him whether this name meant anything to him because the name, we were getting information that there was something in the museum that belonged to this gentleman mm. and that he knew Cromwell and gave us a lot of information. And Mike Brooks, the curator, said, you know, it's not a name I'm familiar with. So, so we left and we thought that we got uh, a load of, of gobbledygook, basically rubbish. <laughs> and uh, we left pretty disappointed. And um, a week later, I received an email from him. And uh, he said that, that the name, he'd been doing some research and the name we'd given was one of Cromwell's right-hand generals. In fact, he was Cromwell's right-hand general. Mm. And also there was something in the museum that belonged to him. Mm. After the English Civil War, all these sort of people like Cromwell became politicians and this guy became a political threat to Cromwell. And so Cromwell sacked him. And he did this by mode of a letter, handwritten letter. And a copy of that letter is in the museum. And it's a tiny little thing. It was folded up and tucked away. And this Mike uh, Brooks, he didn't realise that it was there, but one of his colleagues did. Mm -hmm. And so all the other information that we got was 100% factual with one e exception. We asked, was he married and did he have any children? And he said it, he did. And when you're dowsing, you can only ask questions that have a yes or a no answer. Yeah. So we went through, have you got three children? No. Have you got more than three children? Yes. Right. And he settled on, he'd got 12 children, which we thought was pretty remarkable. <laughs> but anyway, um, we left thinking because he said there was something in there that belonged to him. And the curator said, there wasn't didn't even recognize his name we hmm. thought it was just a load of rubbish but um the only thing that was inaccurate was we found he had 11 children and not 12 oh wow so whether he had a, a secret illegitimate one or something like that or maybe one know. that wasn't born completely but the reason i liked yeah. that investigation so much was because we had an independent witness there with us mm. and he witnessed it too because it's quite easy to say oh it's just a load of rubbish. They're just making yeah. that up. And, you know, they went and researched the history right. books and looked all that up. Mm -hmm. Well, we did, but not until afterwards, because we thought what we'd got initially was just a load of rubbish. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that is probably the most interesting um, investigation in the book. But in all honesty, uh, Nikki, I would say 50% of the time, you get absolutely nothing at all. Right. 40% of the time you get something, but there is a possible explanation. Mm -hmm. It's that 10% that, that makes it so, so interesting. Right. Um, if you watch these paranormal TV shows, um, you know, if you go on 10% of the time, anything happens, it doesn't make great TV. 
<laughs> yeah, so that's true. I, I think you know a lot of it is hyped up and made to look perhaps more scarier than it really is and so on yeah. and so forth. So in your investigations, have have you found that there's a certain type of building that seems to be like more active with paranormal things? No, um, you, you probably find historically that it's buildings that are older mm-hmm. or buildings that uh, are more frequented Mm-hmm. obviously public houses in england pubs go back hundreds of years right. and there's pubs around uh, i was one in uh, salisbury in wiltshire a few months back uh called the haunch of venison uh that's got an interested haunted history uh, i actually featured it on my facebook haunted histories page mm-hmm. and you know that, that that goes back to i think it was 12th 13th century oh, wow. and so you know there are public buildings so pe- lots and lots of people have gone in and out of them and are associated with that building and um so yes you do find that but it can be anywhere and you know people say oh why do you always get ghosts and it's always a knight in shining armor or a headless horse <laughs> things like that actually yeah. most most people who actually see apparitions it's normally an apparition of uh, a loved one who has passed away within a couple of weeks right and they're not hundreds of years old all of them yeah. um, and those ha- those hauntings tend to be quite short and is it the person imagining it because they're so in grief um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know you know when you speak to some of these people they give you information that you know, they couldn't possibly have imagined right. um, that, that, that they've picked up or received. So yeah. it's very interesting. Again, I, I tend to approach it with an open mind. Um, and again, you know, my only apparition that I've seen was seen in broad daylight. Uh, you know, your, your, your normal sort of idea of a ghost is thunder and lightning, middle of the night, right. midnight and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. uh, wasn't how it was for me. Yeah. Yeah, that I loved that story that you told about, you know, when you first saw one. And I think a lot of people maybe have those and then they, they kind of try to debunk them the, themselves like and, and try to make, you know, sense of it. And I think that's just normal. But I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, when you were doing an investigation, when was the most uncomfortable that you've ever been? I think it was that, uh, well, in recent years, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time and I've had some occasions where, you know, I said to you about debunking something. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever go to St. Ives when uh, you, you were here in England? I think I did. Yeah, actually, I think I did. Yes. St. Ives has got a very old historical bridge. I was just going to say the bridge. Yep. Yes. With a chapel in it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I investigated that and, and I cover this in my book. Um, Oh, God, it must have been around about 1980. One of the earliest investigations I did. And um, one of the stories there is um, the actual um, before, you know, there was a time when there weren't bridges. You know, man wasn't capable of building them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so people would cross that river by wading through it with themselves and their animals. Mm. And, uh, of course, most people back then wouldn't know how to swim. And they'd cross the river in the winter when it was in flood. And there was apparently lots and lots of people who had apparently drowned there. And if you were on the bridge, some people said you'd, you'd hear the cries of these lost souls that had, um, that, that had drowned, you know, centuries earlier before, before a bridge even existed. 
-hmm. and I spent the night on the bridge. Um, there's a chapel on the actual bridge itself. You probably I don't know if you can remember that. Mm -hmm. And the chapel is said to be haunted. And um, mm. at two o'clock in the morning, I, I heard this crying and screaming coming from the water below me. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, it's true. And uh, I leant over and I was really scared. And uh, it was actually uh, waterfowl, swans and ducks. They were having a fight under the bridge. Oh. Because it was night and they were under a bridge, you got an echo. And yeah. it did indeed sound like they were real people in the water. So at the time, I was quite scared, I can tell you. Right. But there was a perfectly rational explanation for it. But in recent years... And again, this features in my book, and I've already mentioned it, was the Ramsey Rural Museum. That is a very spooky place. It's, um, it's a museum that's built um, in the grounds of a 10th century uh, abbey uh, mm. called Ramsey Abbey. And for and, a minute, uh, this, yeah, the, word, the word abbey yes, is like a church, right? Yeah, yeah. This this baby an abbey was a, a not a church. Mm. It's a religious building where 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 nuns, monks, people actually lived. Oh, okay. And so oh. yeah, it was a religious building, but oh. there would be people living there. Okay. Um, and, and that was the case. It's a bit different to a church in that it's got people living and working inside it. And um, the Ramsey Abbey has actually got links to my experience uh, when I was a 15 year old, mm -hmm. um, the, 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 the building I was in uh, wouldn't have been there when the Abbey was in its full flow, but it was, there was another building there before it that was owned by Ramsey Abbey. And monks would actually walk from Ramsey Abbey to the, 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 uh, the building uh, Midlow Grange Farm, which is an old 16th century farmhouse but there was a building there before it. Monks would walk there and and they owned a farm there and, and they would work the land. And what I saw was a monk. Although at 15, I had absolutely no idea of that. So mm -hmm. um, that was one of the things that made me, when I walked out of the room, my friend whose family owned the house uh, said, what's the matter they didn't actually say you look as if you've seen a ghost right uh, but I explained to him that I'd just seen a, a monk in this particular room that they called the washroom mm -hmm. and he then told me uh, of the buildings the, the site's history and that it had once been owned by Ramsey Abbey mm -hmm. and that um, he and his family had had things happen and the first thing he said to me was don't tell Chris, which was Christine, his sister, who was 12. And mm. He didn't want to frighten her. Um, so, yeah, you know, basically there was, but I had no ideas that it had any links with monks or anything like that, which made me sure that what I'd actually witnessed, you know, there was a credible explanation. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that leads me to another question that I have for you. It's like you directly, you know, heard a voice, right? No, I, I, I've not, oh. I've not, I didn't hear anything from this monk. I just saw it. Oh. I've never heard of any voices. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I've heard sounds and bangs and things like that. I've actually experienced sometimes something banging at my request 
mm-hmm. um, in a room that that appears to be empty. So unless there's somebody hiding within the wall who's listening in or mm-hmm. got something, you know, that's the only you have to look at every logic possible logical explanation. Right. But I've I've never heard voices or, or anything like that. Um, right. I've only seen one apparition, but I have witnessed things moving by themselves. Right. You know, illogical inside a building where you can't say it was the wind or right, yeah. anything like that. Yeah, uh, and oh. I've, had, I've had people with me at the time too who've also experienced it. Uh, and what you asked me originally, what was the the scariest um, incident that I've had, and I would say in recent years, um, it, it would be um, the Ramsey Rural Museum. Mm. Um, although the incident that I experienced, have you ever been in the Peterborough Museum? Uh, I don't think so. I've you, heard about that, though, but yeah. I, I haven't been, no. Yeah. Well, the Peterborough Museum is, is quite an interesting place. It's a very large English mansion house, which the owner at one stage gave to the city of Peterborough to use for a hospital. And it was a hospital for nearly 70 years. And it now serves as, I mean, Peterborough is the city. It now serves as uh, uh, the city's museum. When it was a hospital, uh, it still has the old operating theater from um, the time when it it, it was a hospital. And it's got cellars, which were the morgues and that. So it's Mm -hmm. got a pretty haunted reputation. And we spent the night in there, and uh, to be honest, it was there wasn't really a lot that happened. And uh, we went to this um, operating theatre, and I did what what you call baseline tests, and uh, you use something called an EMF meter, which mm-hmm. measures electronic uh, magne- magnetic fields. Mm-hmm. Things like electricity cables pr- produce that naturally, but it's also something. Um, that, 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 that can be uh, relevant when uh, you've got paranormal activity around. Uh, anyway, I did some baseline tests to see if there was any natural uh, EMF present in the room. Um, the room was pretty empty. Uh, it had got cabinets around the side of it, a tiled floor, mm-hmm. and the actual operating table had been pushed against the wall. So the middle of the room was completely empty. And um, there were no chairs in the room either. So we spent, we planned to spend an hour's vigil in there and nothing was really happening. And um, I looked to the right of me where this operating table was and I thought that would have been in the middle of the room. In 70 years, there must have been hundreds of operations carried out on that table. Mm. And in a lot, uh, you know, there, there must have been a fair percentage of people who actually would die in the middle of that room. So just out of interest, I took the EMF meter to the center of the room and I held it at the height what the operating table would be. And I started to pick up EMF readings. I was with three other guys. And as I said, I'm a little bit skeptical about EMF meters now because we live in a world where there's Wi-Fi everywhere. So um, I was reading, picking up these readings. They weren't particularly strong, but they weren't there when I check the room before we started so I lifted the EMF meter up about a foot nothing at all I lowered it down a foot uh, below the the height of the table nothing at all but when I lifted it up to the height where the table would be um, I was again picking up this EMF so 
I, I pointed it out to the three guys. Well, what do you make of this? And it, it was quite strange. Now, because I'm I'm such a skeptic, uh, and you know there was a possible reason that it could be a Wi-Fi signal, or somebody's got a phone in their pocket, or they've got a text message coming through, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, even if their phone's turned off or on, or on aeroplane mode, you know, there is a possible explanation. So, I decided to try another experiment. Um, I don't know whether we tried it when you were out with me but um, you use a small rubber ball like one of these kiddies bouncy balls really tiny mm-hmm. ball uh, but very bouncy we did yeah I, i've got one that glows in the yep. dark yep so i basically shone a torch at it to energize it and i put it down on in the center of the floor and because there was no um no chairs in the room the four of us laid down sort of on our bellies if you like uh, with our, our heads 18 inches, two foot away from this ball, and we were gathered around it. And I basically shouted out and said, you know, is, is there anybody there, any astral beings, you know, in the room with us? Mm-hmm. If there is, could you show us that you're here and move this ball for us? And uh, a minute went by, nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, this ball moved a full circle about the size of a human head Mm. and you know we all four of us stood there looking at it there was no it wasn't as if it was on a slope where it would roll down a slope it was on a floor and it had gone a complete circle Mm -hmm. so that was pretty one of the guys with me was fairly inexperienced and it really frightened him he jumped to his feet and (laughs) uh put a few f words in <laughs> it was quite funny to be quite honest now, now that, that 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 would be classed as poltergeist activity yeah. now you cannot 100 percent say that it was caused by the spirit of somebody that was deceased right. whose spirit was there in the room and had moved it we could have moved it telekinetically like i mm-hmm. said to using telekinesis something we can't explain don't know we we've even got the possibility of doing but mm-hmm. it was definitely paranormal because there was no you know if you'd have had a magnet in it and inside of it and some powerful electromagnet you might have been able to replicate it but but all of us you know there were people i know and trust and it was my ball and yeah. there was there was no logical explanation for that Okay. So just to go back a little bit, because I know some people that aren't really like in this field or don't really know much about it, some skeptics, you know, they might hear the word that you just said, which is telekinesis. Um, why do you believe in that? Like, is there a study that you've, you've done? Um, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier where like we're all energy, but, um, why, why do you believe in that so much? Well, there's, there's, um, there's been hundreds of studies done over the years, literally centuries uh, of, of studies done about people being able to communicate without speaking, mm-hmm. uh, telepathy, mm-hmm. and people being able to make things move really by looking at it. In in hundreds of years ago, three, four hundreds of years ago, people would have probably classed it as witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there, there is some evidence that that, that that people are able to do these things or people uh, are able to read people's minds. If you go to a fortune teller, they're able to tell you things that, um, that they shouldn't, shouldn't have any way of knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I actually went to a fortune teller um, about five years ago, no, longer than that, about seven years ago, um, who somebody told me was extremely good. And just out of curiosity, uh, I, I went to see this lady. Mm-hmm. And um, she, I hadn't had my, I'm not a person who goes around having their fortunes told. I'm a bit skeptical about it. Don't really believe it. Uh, I've seen people do it on stage and being able to come up with things and you find out that they've got right. people planted in the audience and all sorts of stuff. But anyway, this particular lady lives locally um, and I went for a reading with her and she told me some absolutely amazing things. And not only that, uh, it was recorded. So I left with a CD uh, of what she actually told me and some of it was was really incredible. And uh, I could not explain. Um, she told me things. She, she, she reckoned that she'd got my mother with her. She was able to tell me how my mother died, which is mm-hmm. not common knowledge. Mm-hmm. She died in hospital, but she was actually able to tell me what she died of. It's not something that I've gone around promoting. It's not uh, something, it's not something she threw out there. Like, was it this, was it that? She told you what it was. Yeah, she was able to tell me things. She described my mother um my mother passed away in 2010 so Mm -hmm. uh, you know 10 years ago and uh, she was able to tell she told me I was writing a book this was before it was public knowledge that I was writing a book and uh, you know she was able to tell me other things that were were incredible so again you know I'm very um, Mm open-minded as regards these things I, I certainly don't consider myself to be gullible and mm-hmm. I went away and I listened to the CD and I'm thinking how could she have found that out you know mm-hmm. could she have possibly got a copy of the death certificate my mother's death certificate right um you know because she's told me what she's died of how would she know this about me yeah. how would she know that I've had this wrong with me yeah. um and she 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 basically said that she was channeling one of the things she told me which was absolutely incredible she said I I think I've got your mother standing here next to me and she said it's a lady when I describe a lady as below five foot five I regard them as short Mm -hmm. if they're above five foot five I regard them as tall this lady is short she's got short curly hair she said but the most distinguishing about thing about her mark is her hands and she held her hands out and she sort of screwed her uh, fingers up like talons mm-hmm. now my mother spent most of her life as a typist and in their later years last two or three years before she died she was crippled with arthritis and mm-hmm. her hands were like that now mm-hmm. you know i i don't know how that woman would know that right yeah uh, so there was there was quite a few things that that were given to me and i listened to the cd about three times over and every <laughs> point she made i'm trying to debunk it <laughs> <laughs> right and and that was a similar situation with that that ball in the peterborough museum mm-hmm. um it wasn't me imagining it because four other people witnessed it it wasn't a ball rolling down a slope um there was any there wasn't any logical explanation of it but there was probably about eight of us in the building huge building is as you imagine big enough to be a hospital mm-hmm. um, so that was totally uh, unexplainable right okay i've got uh, okay have you ever investigated a place that you wouldn't revisit no um 
which brings me on to something when you were telling me, um, you know, to talk about all these things. The words demon or demonic gets mentioned very often in the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been sort of involved with it. I, I mean, about 42 years now since I've been doing investigations. I have had breaks when my children were very small. You generally do a paranormal investigation on a Friday or a Saturday night so that you don't have to get up for work early the next day. Mm-hmm. And when you've got young children, toddlers, three or four jumping on you in that you've got it in at four in the morning and they're jumping on you uh, at six o'clock in the morning, it's no fun. So, um, you know, I, I sort of, I didn't completely stop, but I certainly held back um, and wasn't doing them uh, as often. Um, but in those years, uh, I've, I've never come across anything that was demonic, um, or mm-hmm. I would describe as a demon. I've had one or two instances okay. where I've encountered something, and the Ramsey Rural Museum, when which we spoke of, was one of those occasions where I got something that was unpleasant and not very nice. And um, I did what I was taught by my uncle and Peter Underwood. I, I told it, mm-hmm. I couldn't see anything, but I said that it wasn't welcome. And we got up mm-hmm. and we left. And that's that's what mm-hmm. I was told to do. Uh, if ever you get anything that's remotely unpleasant and you don't like it, tell it that it's not welcome. Don't welcome it in. Just right. get up and leave. So, so you think anybody can do that? Like if they feel a bad presence, you think they can just like – tell it to go well i have no scientific reason to 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 say that that will definitely work and i have no reason to say that demons and demonic entities don't exist all i can tell you is from my experience i've never encountered them now that could be did you feel better after you kind of said Uh, well yeah you know basically you're dealing with something here that people don't understand so if you get something that, that, that doesn't feel right or doesn't feel pleasant, the best thing to do, just as if you was in the jungle and a lion jumped out, you'd run away. And that's effectively, right. you know, what you're doing. But, you, you know, it's not a wild animal or it might not be a wild animal and it may be able to communicate with you. You don't know. So I, I was taught to basically right. tell it it wasn't welcome. And these are the, you, right. you hear some of these horror stories associated with Ouija boards and things like that. Mm-hmm. Half the time, um, it seems to be people that are playing with something that they know very little about and they're not experienced. And if they do come across mm-hmm. anything that's like that, and I never have, um, mm-hmm. you know, that they may well invite it in uh, and welcome it mm-hmm. when they should be doing exactly the opposite. But if yeah. they don't know what they're doing, you know, these games, are, if you look at, you can buy them on the Internet. They're, they're for children from eight years on upwards. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, if you... Honestly, they, they really are. I would say that, you know, you don't play with anything unless you understand what you're dealing with or to some extent or have pe- mm. experienced people with you who have. Um, right. I, I, you know, I wouldn't turn around and say that, 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 that they are dangerous or they're not dangerous because I, I haven't really played about with them, but I've read some pretty horrific stuff. And, of course, mm. you get Hollywood and that will make it into a movie and it becomes <laughs> yeah, exactly. even more, more scary. Mm-hmm. So have you, have you ever had anyone call you to come and like cleanse their home? Like, you know, most people, if they think their, their house is being haunted or their space is being haunted or, or maybe their person is being taken over by a spirit, you know, which we call like 
uh, you know, you have to do an exorcism from that person. Have you ever, have you ever had people call you to like come cleanse the home or cleanse them? Well, not, not cleanse the home or cleanse them. Mm -hmm. I've Mm -hmm. had plenty of people who've contacted me and said, I think there's something in my house. Will you come and have a look? Mm -hmm. And obviously you ask them what's going on and I'll go and have a look. And I have done that. I'm not, I'm not religious. I'm not a priest or mm-hmm. anything like that. So I certainly wouldn't try to exercise anything. Right. I mean, it's it's quite interesting, and you, you, perhaps some of your listeners may not realise, but the church does have people that do do those types of things. It's not something that they go around and advertise, but there are people within the church who specialise in that type of thing. That, that's my next question for you actually like so i i'm glad you said you're not religious well, i'm not glad you said you're not religious, but I, that was my question um if you were because i know the catholic religion is so heavily involved with hauntings and that's typically you know in hollywood in the movies what you see like it's the it's the father it's the priest that comes and exercises with yeah. holy water yeah. um what's your stance on all of that there's um i i we were talking about Buckton Towers earlier where Catherine of Aragon was right opposite. There's a house there which uh, is supposed to be haunted, which I know an exorcism, an exorcism was carried out. Um, they found a, a, the, the remains of a baby embedded in the walls of the property and uh, that was removed and an exorcism was performed there. I covered it briefly in my book and that was uh, a priest that that was brought in although if you speak to your average vicar they'll say oh it's a load of nonsense load of rubbish and just just for americans a vicar is a priest yeah vicar is (laughs) uh, what would you call a vicar in uh, so we would call like a father or a priest or a a pastor clergyman Mm -hmm. pastor yeah Yeah, yeah. the the guy who when you go to church officiates the service Mm -hmm. a religious man um, and very often people will go to, to uh, or not very often, but when things do happen in a house, the, the people will go to their local pastor or clergyman. Mm-hmm. And if there is evidence that, that something is wrong, they will normally refer it to the local bishop and the local bishop will, will, will basically give somebody who has expertise in the church in these matters although it's not something that they talk of openly and very very few of them will actually openly admit it but uh, i know in this particular case um this did happen because the um you know it's recorded and written and Mm -hmm. i was able to 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 find evidence of it when i when i was doing my research um i've even got names of people who attended uh, the exorcism um, it appeared to have worked in this particular instance. The, there's also a public house in St. Neots where an exorcism took place. You you know St. Neots, oh, Nikki. Yeah. You remember the Halifax Building Society? Yes. It used to be a pub and um, oh, an, exorcism right took, an exorcism took place there in the 1960s. Wow. Is that like um, the one that's right across from Boots? <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. almost. Yeah, the Halifax Film. So yeah. if you actually, if you've still got a copy of my book, if you look mm-hmm. at, the, at the picture of the Halifax Building uh, mm-hmm. Society and you look above the main door that people go in, you'll see the stained glass of, of where it was the Oak Public House. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, but yes, to answer your question, because uh, I haven't really yet, well, I have in a roundabout way, <laughs> yeah, <go ahead. laughs> but yes, I have gone to people's houses, and 
I've taken somebody like Kate with me who is sensitive and, you know, we've picked up on something and we have tried to communicate sometimes through dowsing. Um, and if we've been successful, the thing that I always do is ask whatever it might be if it's happy here. Mm. And if it says it's not, I ask, would it like me to help them to move them to somewhere better? And okay, yeah. It's just a case, really, you've probably heard of these stories in the films of Move to the Light. And we will get something responding to a dowsing session, giving yes or no answers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I basically say, if you are you going to do, will you do what I tell you, please? And if they say yes, I say, look around you. Can you see a very bright white light? And if they mm -hmm. say they can, we get a yes. I ask them to walk to them. To it. Sometimes people are frightened uh, or whatever it is is frightened and other times they will do as I ask and you'll invariably find that when they actually reach that light, uh, the pendulum or whatever, the glass, whatever we're using as a dowsing medium uh, will stop uh, and yeah. it's quite satisfying because if we are to believe what we're told and that some people's spirits do stay here for whatever reason there are some that, that don't want to be here they want to be with their families and people who have passed on yeah so that's something you know that, that that we have done and i have to say it's quite a nice feeling when that happens because you think that you help someone but if they say that they don't want to move on i don't do anything uh, right. i leave them be now there are lots of reasons um why people don't want to move on and mm -hmm. the most being is they're frightened what will happen to them when they right. do cross over in their earthly life they've normally done something very bad mm -hmm. and so they seem to prefer to stay here rather than what awaits them if they they cross over right yeah so I that's do pretty that's deep big... stuff isn't it it's so deep and you know a lot of people you know contribute religion with that because a lot of people who are religious or have been brought up yeah. in the church in one way or another believe in heaven or hell so yeah. they believe in some kind of afterlife i mean even yeah. you know looking back to the like egyptian days you know when yes. they believed that if your grave was disturbed you weren't going to be in heaven anymore yeah Tutankhamun's curse and all uh, yeah that. exactly so there's so many different ways like, so many different beliefs too and I remember one person told me that um, it was their hypothesis. Uh, they were like, maybe we're all right. And we just call it God a different name. And we call a spot a different place. You know, like, so it's so funny because, you know, ghosts, goblins, ghouls, whatever you want to call it, spirits, yeah. all this, these, these things that we don't know about, um, it really leaves it open to interpretation. So... Yeah. You know, I think it's really good that you are using your brain to kind of, you know, weed out, you know, yeah. what is completely factual and what isn't. And uh, I think it's really interesting to people, especially to people that might have had an experience like you did. Yeah, well, as I, as I said to you earlier, we do know for a fact that half of our brain, we don't know what it does or what it's for or what mm -hmm. it's capable of. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, 
as I said to you, we, we were talking about telekinesis and people being able to move things with their brain or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's equally as unbelievable as Jesus feeding 5,000 people with loaves and fishes and, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm reasonably quite, I had quite a religious upbringing and I'm not one to, to dismiss religion mm -hmm. and I'm not one to uh, dismiss spiritualism or ghosts or things like that. I keep an open mind and I've documented what I've seen personally mm -hmm. and I've been at pains to uh, debunk anything or find explanations for things. Certainly that ball moving, I could find no logical explanation for that happening. Yeah. Um, other things, there's a possibility that it could be this, it could be that. And therefore, it's inconclusive. Yeah, I think that's all this is. It's, it's it, you know, it's open to interpretation for yourself. Um, I'll tell you a quick story, Mark. When I was little, um, my first like kind of ghost story, um, I was, I don't know, nine years old, super little. And I had a friend stay the night. And I remember I had a dream that I put like my little Miss Piggy doll in the, um, in the closet. And I woke up. And my closet was open when I knew I had closed it. So I got like that poltergeist thing you're talking. Yeah, yeah. And um, there was a weird mist. And I'm like, what? It literally was like something out of a movie. And yeah. uh, and then there was this white apparition that came out of my closet. And uh, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it said, I'm the Holy Ghost. And I told my mom this whole story. Yeah. And I'm playing it down right now. But in that moment, I was petrified. Like I could not move. Um, I was trying to yell for my friend on, you know, the top bunk and she was sleeping. And like, she, I just wanted someone to validate that I was seeing this, you know. Anyway, my mom still teases me every year. She goes, Nikki, tell me your ghost story. Because the funniest thing was, she goes, what did it look like? Describe it. So when I described it, I said, OK, well, it kind of looked like a little kid with a sheet over it and the eyes cut out and mm. she was like nikki this is totally your mind your brain and i'll tell you what mark like i don't care if that was my brain like i was like what if that was the easiest way like for me to know what it, i don't know but yeah i still swear to this day i don't know if it was my brain or not or if i was in a dream yeah. state but that was the most realistic thing and so, yeah, I get teased about it constantly. <laughs> this, this is why the the um, example that I gave you at the Peterborough Museum with the ball moving mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the example in the Cromwell Museum with the curator present mm -hmm. are so much more um, credible because other people witnessed it too. Yes. My experience when I was 15 happened in broad daylight and mm -hmm. I know what I saw. Right. Uh, and it, I only saw it for three to five seconds, no longer. Uh -huh. But nobody else saw it to separate reality from, from you know, imagination. Well, I'll tell you what, you you know so much more about history. Like you said, like you didn't even put the stuff in your book. So I want to have you on again. And we can do some really fun talks about history. I'm going to um, ask some people on my social media, like what questions they might have that maybe you have the answer to, maybe you don't. But um, I think you're the best guy to have on just because you're you're so good at this and you've done so much research. Yeah, I'll send you the uh, I'll send you the, the, the links and that, Nikki. If uh, that's easier, um, awesome. you no, know, it's. Uh...
not always easy on the radio, but uh, it's easier to send you the link rather than you know, try and help the people over there. All right, perfect. Well, we'll make sure we get all of that out to everybody. You guys, thank you so much. Have a happy holiday. Be safe. And uh, that is it for us.